informed consent getting to yes is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision. Welcome to Informed Consent, Getting to Yes. I'm Marguerite McDonald of the Ophthalmic Consultants of Long Island in Oceanside, New York. The purpose of our podcast is to interview key opinion leaders, leaders in their field, and find out what it is that they say to have patients agree to the proposed regimen, whether it's a new Rx, a new prescription drug, whether it's a in-office procedure or a premium IOL, whatever it is, what do the successful leaders in the field say? Because it really is all about the wordsmithing. And it's our great honor today to have two leaders in the field, Dr. Eric Brooker, who is the founder of Advanced Vision Institute in Las Vegas. Welcome, Eric. Thank you. And also Dr. Lisa Fulner, who is the founder and director of Advanced Eye Care and Aesthetics in Bel Air, Maryland. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks, Marguerite. So starting with Eric, uh, and by the way, our topic today is, of course, uh, how to get patients to say yes to in-office procedures for dry eye and ocular surface disease. So let's have you, Eric, tell the listeners a little about your practice, then we'll talk to Lisa about that. Sure, thanks, Marguerite. So in my practice it is in Las Vegas, which is a very, very dry and arid environment. So numerous patients come in with complaints of dry eyes, redness, and, and that sort. And so we, we thought it would be great for us to start a practice really focused on dry eyes, and we've kind of created a dry eye center of excellence um, for people in our community. Um, we feature several things from Blefex to meibomian gland treatments, um, and we've really become very precise on treating dry eyes, and we actually get referrals from a lot of uh, general physicians as well um, for, for red eyes just to, to troubleshoot that, because the majority of the patients are either allergic conjunctivitis or a dry eye condition. Thank you. And Lisa, your practice. So I have a comprehensive ophthalmology practice. We have um, an optometry, does primary care and medical optometry. We do a lot of contact lenses. I do mostly uh, refractive and refractive cataract surgery. And I also have a very large glaucoma practice. I am extremely invested in my premium patients and their outcomes and my refractive patients. So we do also have a dry center of excellence. We in, employ everything um, from prescription anti-inflammatory eye drops to Lipaflow. And uh, we use a lot of serum tears and amniotic membranes. We'll use whatever it takes in our practice to get patients either ready for surgery or um, ready to get back into their contact lenses. We treat a lot of limbal stem cell um, deficiency in our community. They get sent to us because um, we do a lot of uh, ocular surface care. Do you find when you are introducing the idea of an in-office procedure like Blefex or Ilux or Lipiflow or Tear Care, do you usually mention it when you first meet the patient, that initial visit, or do you try something medical first and then introduce it if they don't have a full response? So, you know, that's a really great question. And I get asked that a lot when I'm speaking or, you know, by other, um, my colleagues. And 
it depends who's in my chair. You know, you really have to finesse it. If the patient comes to you, you're their third stop on the train, or if they've been referred from the outside, or if they've tried a lot of things, they don't want you to throw another drop at them. They want a definitive thing to be done, or they may come in fully educated and ask you specifically for something. I think the most challenging patients are those that come in who we see signs of ocular surface disease and we know what they need, um, but now we have to convince them that they actually have a problem that they can't feel. And so for those patients, I use lots of analogies. I tell them that if they went to their primary care doctor and they were told they have high blood pressure or high cholesterol, that they can't feel that. But the doctor tells them, if you don't treat this, you could have a heart attack, you could have a stroke. I tell them, if we don't treat your ocular surface, even though you don't feel it or notice it, you could have long-term damage and scarring to your cornea and uh, compromised vision um, and ocular health. And so helping patients you know, approach things from a perspective that they understand and that seems real to them is the first barrier. I do something very similar. Eric, how about you? Do you mention these in-office procedures that are not covered by insurance? When you first meet them, do you play it by ear? Do you wait for the second visit? What do you do? So, so I agree with both of you. And, and a lot of times we have patients come to us for various things. If they come in specifically for, for dry eyes and they've had several failed treatments, then we start within office treatments that first visit. We won't do it that day, but we'll recommend it for their next visit to come back. And we will, you know, we'll close that, uh, the selling of that procedure or offer, offering to the patient on that first visit. If they're coming in for something else, like it's contact lenses, red eye, anything else where they have no idea that they have dry eyes, which is a large percentage of patients, then we start them on at-home therapies first. And then when they follow up, we do a very specific dry eye workup. And at that time, they get a, a report card where that tells them where they're, where they're lacking or where they need, they need improvement. And we make recommendations regarding it at that time. And I'm a big proponent about decrease inflammation first. And that's the first step for us successfully uh, treating your dry eyes. So I really target inflammation with the patients and educate them um, at that time. And, and we found that's a really successful in our practice in the fact that if they if you do too much to them all at once, like if they need contacts and this and that, and we try to do dry eyes, it's just too much. They're overwhelmed. So it's like you got to be kind of focused, plant the seed. And then when they come back, they're more focused and ready to treat their condition. You know, I think the three of us do something very similar and uh, I agree, when that patient comes in from far away because they've heard about your practice or they were referred in and they've tried everything, you can talk about in-office procedures that day. Maybe not do it that day, which could be a little chaotic scheduling-wise, but you can talk about it that day. But uh, I think the hardest nut to crack is that patient who doesn't know they have dry eye. And you tell them, and New Yorkers will look you in the eye and say, I do not have dry eye, doc. And then I say, well, you have a tear osmolarity of 380. And I think it helps to have some, like my biography, some actual solid evidence to present to those people. Do you use diagnostic devices in that way? Uh, Eric, we'll start with you. Sure, thank you. Um, we do, we use, uh, we have a few different biography devices. We have the HD analyzer, we have a Lipiscan. And recently, uh, we have the Firefly slit lamp. Out of the three, 
I'm leaning more towards the Firefly Slim Lamp. That has been remarkable on these patients for, for patients that don't think they have a problem. So I take pictures of their blepharitis. It, it really images staining unbelievably. The images I get are great. And when I show them that, they, they go, oh, okay. I, I see where you're coming from. And that's made it a lot easier to get them down the line. I agree. A picture is worth a thousand words, but, but numbers also help, you know, like the, like tear osmolarity. Do you both use tear osmolarity? One, the other, neither, both? <laughs> so, you know, I really, I agree with Eric um, and, and you, Marguerite, that um, patients need something physical to look at because unfortunately television has really not helped us because they're they learn from tv that all you need is visine to get the red out and you need visine to treat dry eyes and so we have that barrier of trying to get them to understand that this is a true disease of the eye and we've moved away from calling it dry eye in our office we call it ocular surface disease of which dry eye is a component so that we've taken it away from something that's treated with visine with one drop and you're good to uh, something that's complex and um, that we need to, to treat in, a, in an orderly way. And so I'm very fortunate in my lanes. I have two screens. I have one for the EHR and I have another screen that I can bring up all of my um, data on and I can pull that in front of the patient and I have my OPD3, which for me is the best tool. My whole life is run by the OPD3 because I can tell very quickly whether someone has ocular surface disease, whether they're symptomatic or not based on their placido rings, their topography, um, their higher order aberrations even. Um, and I can show them that, you know, and I can use descriptive things like saying, do you see how the surface of your eye looks like the planet earth with islands and oceans and so suddenly they get that. And I said, and it really should look like a piece of bow tie pasta, you know, and things that make sense in their heads rather than driving science at them. Um, and, you know, and I talk about placido rings and I have my biography. So in the same screen, I can bring up their oil glands and I tell them that their oil glands should be like piano keys that start at the lid margin and go to the base of their lids, nice long columns, so that when they have meibomian gland dropout or when they have truncation, they can see, oh, this is supposed to look like a piano key, but here's what mine looks like. So I think visual things are very, very important. And we really um, have streamlined our um, process so that we have a dry eye management handout that's like a checklist. It has like what drops they're on, whether it's a prescription anti-inflammatory. And very quickly I can go through and check, 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 and then you flip it over and it has more instructions about what we might be asking them. So I think that having visual information and having prepared information to hand the patient are things that can really reinforce that you're taking it seriously and that you have a plan for their success. Eric, do you use a psychometric questionnaire uh, for your dry eye patients on the first visit, at least? Uh, we do. We use a we do use a questionnaire with the patients. We use the Speed questionnaire, and uh, it's been really successful in identifying, you know, those those patients that that have a hard time expressing, you know, what they're feeling on a daily basis. So, yeah, we try to implement that, and we try to do it as we start their treatments as well to kind of see that it's improving. Yeah, periodically. Do you, Lisa? 
So we did before COVID, it's really interesting. So we've tried to stop the number of things that people are touching in our office. So we have trained our office staff to do it in their HPI for every single patient. So I can sit down and very quickly, it's right there. Um, just, and it, it takes less, it takes less time than handing the patient the pen and the paper. And then we have all these pens we have to clean and then somebody has to take that paper and scan it. So we've really minimized the amount of paper and things people are touching. So our staff can do it very quickly now, very, very quickly. You know, I, I often say that the difference between dry eye specialists and people who aren't is that we will actually treat people who have no symptoms. If you're not a dry eye specialist, you only treat people with symptoms and with a, a tiny handful of uh, bullets in your gun. I mean, the, you know, people who are not dry eye specialists don't usually use amniotic membranes, et cetera. They might use the three prescription meds and maybe some punctal plugs, and that's kind of about it. But I'm a huge fan of nighttime ointments. Do you both use them, Eric, do you? I do, in fact, um, we do a similar situation where we, we have handouts for each specific condition and it has everything listed out. So if I put them on like Oasis tears, it would have everything about their dry eyes, talks about Oasis. Then it would also have a nighttime ointment they would use. And so I usually start them on that for the first week or so until they come back for their full treatment. I'm going to pretend to be Mrs. Smith and I have serious ocular surface disease and um, Lisa, you have decided that you want to do in an office procedure on me, so you can pick your go-to. And I would love to hear you talk to me as Mrs. Smith and tell me what you propose. So Mrs. Smith, you've already asked me, how did I get this? You know, how come all of a sudden I feel dry? So I'm going to go through with you how you became a dry eye patient and why we need to address this. So I'm going to identify you by your gender and your age. I'm gonna look at your medicines that you're on, what maybe ocular surgeries you've had in the past and what your other uh, past ocular history is. So we're gonna set the stage for why I need to take care of you. We can't change your risk factors, but we can help you feel better and look better and see better. Um, and so I always, um, I'm going to have a conversation with you about uh, what is the tear film and how does it work? So I'm going to tell you that it's like a sandwich. There's an oily layer on top made by oil glands that line your eyelids. And when you blink, that oil is released into your tear film. It keeps the next layer down from evaporating. And your bottom layer is a mucin layer and it protects the cornea and it helps the tear film move over the eye. We're gonna focus on the top two layers to get started. We're gonna work on getting those meibomian glands functioning again, so that no matter what we do to that watery layer, we have it protected and sealed onto the eye. Uh, I, I think if we correct your watery layer of your tear film, but we don't take care of that top layer, it doesn't matter, it's just going to evaporate. So I recommend that we do a procedure to optimize your oily layer, and it's called LipaFlow. It heats up your oil glands to 108 degrees and melts that oil. And then it massages your eyelids for about 12 minutes to help that oil get out into your tear film. And then we can work on that quality of that watery part, improve it and um, make it balanced and get it back to its normal homeostasis. Get some of the anti-inflammatories to get rid of uh, 
proteins and antibodies that are destabilizing your tear film, give you more comfort and heal your cornea. So we're gonna start by scheduling you to get your lipoflow done to clean up those oil glands. And in the meantime, we're gonna start you on a prescription anti-inflammatory eye drop so that we can get rid of that inflammatory process that's at the root of that damage to your ocular surface and interrupt that process that's causing damage to your cornea. And usually at that point, they ask me, why do I need an anti-inflammatory? And so I'm gonna give you an analogy of uh, why anti-inflammatory prescription eye drops are so important. If you're a runner and you sprain your ankle, the first thing you do is you give it rest, you give it ice, and you give it an anti-inflammatory because you know if you keep running on that ankle, you're gonna create more inflammation that's gonna cause more tissue damage to your ankle and therefore result in more inflammation. And your cornea is just like that sprained ankle. We need to cut that inflammation so that we can get the healing process going. So we're gonna work on the top two layers and we're gonna get you feeling better and it may take us up to three months or longer, but we'll get you there. Very good. I'm in. I'm convinced. <laughs> Eric, what would you tell Mrs. Smith? What, what's your go-to procedure for me? Pick one and uh, tell me that, you know, what the regimen is and what you'd like me to do. Well, Ms. Smith, uh, you presented to our office today with some red irritated eyes that gets worse, uh, you noted, in the morning and, and you've been, your eyes have been watering quite frequently. So what I'm gonna to talk to you about today is something you may not have heard of, it's called blepharitis. And this, this occurs when you get an infiltration and an, an overwhelming amount of bacteria that have colonized your lid margin. And I know that sounds bad, but this is what it looks like here. And what, and what happens is it lays down what's called a biofilm. This biofilm is very similar to, to plaque on your teeth. And it doesn't mean you're not, you're not clean, you don't have good hygiene. It just means just like when you brush your teeth every day, sometimes you still got to get your teeth cleaned um, and get the plaque off, right? Okay, so why this is bothering you is these bacteria like to secrete exotoxins into the eye and it disrupts your tear film. It also causes an allergic reaction, which is causing some of your itching and some of your irritation. Okay, and so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to give you some eye drops to kind of stabilize those. And we're going to give you an at-home treatment to start uh, addressing these bacteria along the eyelids. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, where did I get this? And you could have gotten it anywhere. You know, if you work in, a, in an environment that has a lot of aerosols in the air or a dusty environment, you fly on planes, things like that, you may have picked it up. But looking at it today, I can see that you're at a level four and I, and I scale it from zero to four. So we, we've got some work to do. And I can tell you just by doing the at-home treatments, it's not going to take care of it fully. It, it may contain it a little and prevent it from getting worse, but it's not going to address it all the way. So what I'm going to be recommending is that you come back next week and we're going to do a procedure called the BLEFX. And then with this particular procedure, I'm going to use a high speed uh, instrument that's going to exfoliate the lid margin safely and comfortably to allow me to get rid of all the biofilm on your eyes, all the bacteria and get your eyes feeling better. And this is our first step. Now this might not be a full cure, but it's gonna get rid of the bacteria, it's gonna get rid of the inflammation to some degree so I can get you to the next step in uh, treating your dry eyes. So how does that sound? Great, I'm in. <laughs> now, <laughs> let me ask, do you, Eric or Lisa, does anybody do combo treatments? In other words, where you're doing Blefex and Lipiflow or Blefex and Ilux, Blefex and Tear Care, something like that. We, we do that in our office, in fact, um, 
when some of the patients, like I say, you know, how do you, how aggressive do you want to be with this? And the patients that are in a hurry because of their travel schedule or things like this, we have like an advanced eye treatment program. It's a little more expensive, but we do that all at once. And, um, and, it, and it works really well. And also sometimes when we do amniotic membranes, I'm, I'm a big proponent of making sure there's no bacteria on the eyelids. If I'm going to be putting something on the eye for a couple of days. So we kind of do those in combination. So right before COVID, we were moving into a sort of the new lid combination with uh, LipaFlow and that we got a little derailed on that, but I think it's a really great um, like Blefax, but it's something that um, we can treat them with um, in the office and then send them home with it um, to do some at-home treatments. It also sets us up for continuous continuation of care. So we teach them how to use it. We clean up their lids. We treat them with um, LipaFlow, send them home and say, you know what, in six months, we got to bring you back in and kind of tune up those lid margins again, even though I'm sure you're gonna be doing a great job at home. So we got a little derailed on that, but that is that is our plan and um, the model that I think works best. You know, we're all sort of doing something extremely similar because in our practice, I think, as you said, Eric, cleaning the biofilm off the lid margin is critical. So I don't even offer them separately, I say, you're either getting Blefx, Lipaflow, Blefx, Ilux, Blefx Cheer Care, whatever thermal procedure I'm doing, it's paired with Blefx uh, because microblepharoexfoliation is so important. The, um, as far as the RXs, the Restasis Sequa, Zydra, do either of you, and we'll start with you, Lisa, ever have patients who are on two of them? Like Zydra Sequa or Zydra Restasis, do you have pa patients who are on two? So we do, you know, it's a rare event, not because I think that more people don't need it. So I think a lot more people could use both of them than I actually prescribe. And usually that comes down to finances. But just last week, we have a, had a severe Sjogren's patient that was on serum tears, was on each of them separately. So Sequa and Zydra trials separately has had everything known to man. And we just last week, as an example, started her on both. I think that if money weren't an issue, there would be a lot more. It's very hard to get people to um, spend money on both of those. It's hard enough with one, but when they're so desperate, I think that, um, you know, that it's appropriate if they can just, you know, come up with the, the money for it. It's, it's not easy to get it paid for. How about you, Eric? Do you have any patients on two agents? I, at this time, I do not. Um, but generally, we, I have them on usually one or the other. I just, and everyone has been successful when we haven't needed that. But I do start everybody on, um, on, a, on a steroid pulse to start anywhere between like two and four weeks. And we use, uh, most of the time we use Flarex, which is, shown good comfort for our patients and um, and they generally come back feeling good right away with that and then I just kind of taper them off that and keep going and, and we've had such good success that we, we haven't needed that yet. I have um, I would say quite a few people on two agents and the issue is of course money especially if they're uh, Medicare patients because Zydra and Sequa are not covered well on Medicare those people have to be on Restasis only but if they have commercial insurance, both Zydra and Sequa have plans that vastly decrease uh, the copay for a commercial patient. So 
most of my Sjogren's patients end up on both of them. And thank goodness, most of them have commercial insurance, but they do act synergistically. They attack dry eye from a different direction. So one plus one equals three for those, those very poor people. Well, boy, I have learned a lot from both of you. Thank you, Eric and Lisa. And, um, you know, we hope you will both come back again. Marguerite, thank you for having us. Yeah, Margaret, that was great. We, I learned a lot too. Thanks both of you very much. Informed Consent, Getting to Yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision.